This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by Free Play Florida. Guys, you do not want to miss it. It is one of the greatest conventions going on today. And it's all about retro gaming, which is something here at the Happy Hour with Johnny Deuce. We absolutely love and adore. They've got all your retro game favorites from classic consoles to also your favorite classic arcade cabinets. And don't forget that the Happy Happy Hour Hour with Johnny and Deuce is the official podcast. And of course, your boy Deuce is the voice of Free Play Florida. You don't want to miss it. Johnny, when is Free Play Florida? It's going to be November 11th through the 13th, 2016 at the beautiful Double Trier Hotel in Orlando, Florida. Johnny, who all is going to be there? We've got the amazing CEO and spokesperson for Sega, Nathan Barnett, as well as video game historian Walter Day, and creator of some of the biggest titles, Rampage, Xenophobe, Disc of Tron, Satan's Hollow, Star Trek Voyager, and many more, Mr. Brian Colon, pinball designers Gary Stern and Jersey Jack will be there on display with their beautiful pinball machines, player of the century and star of King of Kong, Billy D. Mitchell, and world record holders Richie Knuckles and Todd Rogers will be there on display. And speaking of world record holders, there's going to be multiple world record attempts going on that weekend on a ton of different games. You don't want to miss it. You want to be there at the Doubletree by Hilton in Orlando. November 11th to the 13th. And don't forget to tell them that the Happy Happy Hour with with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Hello, internets. My name is Johnny Womack, and of course I have Deuce. What is going on, brother? Hey, man, we're the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. We are, and I'll tell you about some happy hours that are coming up soon. Yes. Guys, you've got to go down to Main Street Comics and Memorabilia because they are presenting the Halloween Comic Fest block party. It's in beautiful Bartow, just outside of Lakeland and just under an hour away from Tampa. It's going to be October 29th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. They're going to have costume contests. They're going to have prizes. They're going to have free comics while supplies last. They're also going to have trick-or-treating for the kids, and there's going to be entertainment by DJ Vader. Also, you're going to have special guest artists, including our good friends Michael Carey Art and JB Designs. Guys, you don't want to miss it. You want to come on by October 29th from 10 to 4 p.m. to come hang out and have a fun time. And don't forget to tell them that the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Exactly. And Deuce, we, like we said, we're the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. We're a twice-weekly podcast. We are. Dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays for your listening pleasure. And my brother, I think it might be time to kick off this Happy Hour with a good old-fashioned Deuce Salute. Cheers, man. Cheers. And of course, on the happy hour, we like to have some of our friends in to enjoy the happy hour with us. And Johnny, tell them who we got with us today. We've got the amazing designer, art designer, the the jack of all trades, Mr. Brian Colon. He's done games like Xenophobe, Rampage, Arch Rivals. The guy is this. His name is just like all over the industry, the arcades. And and this guy, we're so happy to have him back on. And we also have uh, the second time we have him on the episode now um, is the amazing editor-in-chief of the awesome Tips and Tricks magazine that you and I both oh, were frequenting. Yes. We read those magazines all the time. Uh, we have the editor-in-chief, Chris Bienniak. Uh Welcome back to the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, you know, I'm going to start off by saying this is going to sound like we're like pandering a little bit, but it really is surreal for, for Deuce and I because... Oh, liter- my God. Yeah. Literally... 
Deuce and I, we, we, we remember, we've, we've known each other for 20 years, uh, and, like, we were, we, we were the first ones, like, to really kind of, like, get in that group and have friends talk about video games, and, like, in our in our, in our little Polk County area, because that's a, you know, we're, we're from uh, the whole Polk County area, and it's, uh, you know, small little Haines City, Florida, and Winter Haven, Florida. Yeah. Uh, small little towns, and uh, I remember we'd go around and, like, recess and all that stuff, and we'd, like, borrow games to each other. Yeah. And I remember how difficult it was uh, during the PS1 era, because, like, you'd have to t- make sure the games had the, the jewel cases and everything and not to get them scratched. And you, you all know how ch- how flimsy those PS1 cases were. They, the, the inside, the little yeah. the, the prongs would break off in the middle and, like, those cases, yeah. those jewel cases broke off. So so you'd always be like, all right, you know how you, like, inspect the games where you had to inspect the jewel cases too? And, and it was just really funny. Uh, we, this one time we were uh, we were playing Twist and Metal or something, and yeah. I think I had, like, one little chip or something on there, and I'm like... <gasps> And then, and then I was like, my mom was like, "Well, just pop out a CD, and it's the same thing, and then you're good." So, but it was just really funny how you like you had to take, pay more meticulous care to your games back in the day when it wasn't on carts anymore, right? Yeah, because yeah, of the carts and everything like that. But it's it's crazy because like we're literally talking to two two people that were in the industry that we grew up like you know pretty much like, idolizing. Uh, yeah, I think well, in a way. well, I mean. <laughs> See, like, I'm trying not to pander here because, like, we're we're legit excited to talk to you guys because, like, I remember I spent hours and hours in the arcades playing um, tips and or tips and tricks. Yeah, that's a cool arcade game. Uh, <laughs> 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 excuse me. <laughs> hours and hours playing uh, Rampage, and I remember it just like this game is crazy. Like, I remember going to see like the women on there, and then like it, it, and then like you're going in and punching through the windows, and then eating stuff, and like, and that would cause like whatever you ate, you would like breathe fire, and, like all kinds of stuff. It was just like man, there's so much going on in this game. And then the building would come down and you go into the next part. And I remember, like, it was even at the time, I, I thought it was a little, little I don't say racy, but it was a very provocative, like some of the women in there and stuff. Like, it was really interesting. I remember my mom was like, all right, we got to go. And it was usually like in a bowling alley when we had the arcades. And I remember just like Rampage just being so much fun just to play. And also, I literally told Deuce, and this is no joke, if I had the time, I would pull them out. I have a box sitting underneath our soundboard that has like old magazines. I was like, man, if I would had time to prep, I would have grabbed out my Tips and Tricks magazine. To just You would just had a blast <laughs> seeing that I had them. Because like, that was the thing we would trade too besides video right, games magazines. Tips and Tricks because right. it was like, well, I've got this magazine with the game you've got in it right. and you've got one with the game I've got right. in it. So we'd like pass them back and forth like i mean when you're in you know early high school i mean the tips and tricks was probably up there with playboys when the passing back and forth because they were that valuable because it was like oh man you got the tips and tricks that tells me all the cheat codes for this game or that game or how to get the special characters in mortal kombat or mortal kombat 2 also uh chris uh let's also talk about we you know tips and tricks also wasn't just codes it was also you guys explained like if there was a game that had multiple endings right and how to achieve that like how if you were to go this certain path you'd be able to get that ending right like you did other things besides the actual up up down down left right left right ba select or ba start oh, yeah yeah we did strategy guides too you know yeah there would be between two and and four games each issue that would you know get like a little mini strategy guide where we'd try to take you through the whole game and you know tell you the best ways to beat the bosses and that kind of stuff yeah but it was all done in such a rush we didn't always have uh we did the best we could but we didn't always have the best information because you know we were trying to get that magazine on the shelf during the same month in which that game was available uh it was a very small window and we didn't have the ability to you know, sort of tap into the hive mind on, on game facts and sites like that uh, and see what other people were saying about the game because we were playing early copies of it, you know. 
Um, but we did the best we could and it's, it seems to be fondly remembered. And, and, uh, you know, I did hear that it was sort of a, uh, it was, it was sort of a thing to have when you were a kid at school. I, I wish you guys had been around to say that to, uh, some of our advertisers because we used to, <laughs> we used to talk about this, uh, this statistic called pass along readership, which was basically saying, you know, for every copy of the magazine you sold, how many people were actually going to read it. And, and, you know, we knew it was more than just one because kids would share it with their siblings, with their friends. And, you know, I know a lot of kids took it to school and showed it <laughs> 10, 20 people. Man, I wish I'd been in on those meetings just because of the mere fact that you not only had that, but like I remember our local library uh, kind of near the end started carrying them. And also in Winter Haven, we had a used bookstore. But the cool thing about the used bookstore is they would take used magazines, especially video game magazines. Like if it was like a Entertainment Weekly or People, they'd only take it if it was a month old. But if it was anything video game related, they would take it no matter how old it was. So I can remember... A ton of times going in there saying, okay, I need to find the new code for NBA Jam and like dig through books and books and books and then finally find a magazine of yours that had NBA Jam codes. And I'm like, awesome. And then go buy it for, you know, a buck when cover price might have been three and then be able to take it with me to the <laughs> that arcade. Was more than that, I think. That wasn't we had a, a lot of kids... A lot of kids would rip out pages right at the grocery store. Oh, I wouldn't be even surprised about that. Yeah, what they wanted, and but you know, we we tried like hell to get it out there. I I used to, if I had a dentist appointment, I would take along a copy of the most recent issue and just leave it in the waiting room, you know, uh, just to get more eyeballs on that thing. Right, word of mouth is so important, especially in the industry, and and it's it's crazy because literally what Deuce and I are doing is. We're word of mouth, but we're on a like an internet scale. Like we're on like the you know it's a different type of scale, and yeah. like we're we're trying our best to give people a platform to talk about what they love, and we're a conversational podcast. And literally, I mean, it's funny you mentioned earlier you wish we were around when all you, know, you had all these conversations, but like Deuce and I, I remember it was, it was yesterday. Deuce and I went to a Christian school uh, together, and we uh, I remember it was during the uh, Twisted Metal era, and we were talking oh, about my God. talking yeah, about they were how not happy about that. Right. Yeah. So I remember I had a Tips and Tricks magazine, and I remember we were talking about like there was something about the what's the guy's name at the end of the game? Calypso. The, Calypso, and he had like the different endings and all that. And I remember reading something in Tips and Tricks magazines about that. And I remember like this, like just knowing that there's a second Twisted Metal coming out blew my mind. I was like, oh my god, there's a second one coming out. <laughs> and all the different, I mean, it just like we. This is no joke. Like I know it. Sometimes you know you get you get interviews and, and all the stuff and hosts and and you're like, oh, well, you gotta like pander to them and give them all this stuff, you know, time and everything. Like we're literally excited to talk to you guys. Like yeah. this is two guys from Polk County, Florida, that grew up playing video games and watching professional wrestling. Yeah, like literally and reading comic books. Yeah. Like this is just like we're. I mean, I got a freaking blue turtle shell sitting here uh, that's cross stitched. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, her friend Angela made this for us. Like, yeah. like if you were to pan around in a room, it is nothing but Star Wars. And video games that's yeah. all it is and it's just like this is literally who we are right now i mean you're talking to two johnny, weeks. <laughs> johnny i mean you, you you don't have to apologize for pandering to chris and i because we love this kind of crap i it's you have no idea how good it feels to hear that somebody remembers something you did 20 25 35 years ago 
And so, yeah, feel free to kiss our asses all the way down. Next. Well, I'll tell you what, Chris, just a little story because it, Johnny brought it up because we did go to this Christian school here locally together. We had to hide your tips and tricks magazines in our book bag like they were made by your publisher, uh, Hustler. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Larry Flint Productions. Like, because, like, they would see them and they're really like, oh, those are so violent. They, they you know, support uh, demoncy and, and demonic issues. And no, 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 no. So we had to, like, hide them and then, like, go sneak in the locker room before, like, football practice and, like, trade them to each other and, like, Stick them in the middle of like an algebra book, like yeah, it was like that bad. Like we were like passing around hardcore drugs or something. When it's just the tips well, and tricks, but it was wild. Just, he's man. telling the truth. Yeah, yeah it was some wild, you, wild you, shit. You talk about being titillated by playing rampage. A surprising number of Brian's games have naked people in them. Uh, allegedly, well, Brian says allegedly. Oh no, they they have. They're naked, but they're only five pixels across. So, I mean, sure, you know, sure. I, I, I challenge you to find any key parts in there that you can differ differentiate. But we we pushed it as far as we were willing to go. I mean, uh, and, and we went up, you know, sometimes we went up against management because, uh, you know, in the early days, in the 80s, in Rampage, we got a lot of crap for shrinking you back down to a naked human being even though you couldn't really see anything but then in later years when we did pigskin the new management said hey you know you say let's kick some butt in pigskin we want you to say let's kick some ass and it's like you know that's a line i will not cross you know it's like my kids are playing this butt is okay ass is not you know so sometimes you got to make those hard decisions and uh, I have no idea where I'm going with this thought. Well, no, but Brian, is... but no, you got to have your own code of honor when you're making it, if you will, where it's like, look, you know, I'll I'll, I'll get go this close to the line, you know, like I'll show them just like half a nip, and that's as far <laughs> as I'm going to go, you know. Like I, there's a certain line that you're like, okay, I'm going to get right to the edge of it and not cross it. But so so you're pretty much saying that Brian is the side boob of, of the industry. Yeah, he's he's the new side boob he's of the, new the side boob. In, industry, for sure, <laughs> definitely. Uh, but it, it's not the worst thing I've been called. <laughs> well, Brian, it actually brings me to a, a couple questions I wanted to ask you. One being about pigskin and the other being of arch rivals. I really think playing both those games now in hindsight, you laid the groundwork for NBA Jam and you ra laid the groundwork for NFL Blitz, and I, 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 I challenge any of the creators of those games to tell me that they didn't play our rivals and pigskin and say, this is kind of where we at least got some of this idea the precursor from. Yeah, to the precursor games. to it. Right. And how do you feel about that, or what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, quite honestly, um, a lot of the games, both pigskin and our rivals I did with programmer Jeff Nauman, co-designed them with him. And uh, while a lot of our games were me dreaming stuff up and, and then us designing, developing them together, Arch Rivals started out on a, on a uh, barf bag on an uh, airline flight that Jeff was on. And he, we, we, we liked doing games in which the player controlled different characters, multiple characters. Sarge, a real early arcade game that Chris can tell you more about. Uh, was probably one of the first examples of that we did together. And Jeff came back from this airline flight 
where he's like, I've got it. I've got how we can finally do a decent sports game where you're doing real sports, pick and roll, blocking, whatever, using this, controlling a multi-character thing. And I loved it. I loved it because it did the multi-character controller thing that I loved. But I said, for me, I'm a non-sports guy. I want to be able to do personal fouls. So that's where the punching came in in our tribals. And then Pigskin was a natural extension of that. By then, we had been bought out by Williams. Midway was bought by Williams, and Jeff and I were the only two video designers they kept. So we finished our tribals for the new Bally Midway Williams. And then our next game up was uh, we did Pigskin. And all these years, I, I've been asked time and time again, uh, the guys who did um, NBA Jam. Yeah. Uh, you know, what influence did we have on them? And I have to, I always had to answer, honestly, I don't know because, you know, they never talked to us about doing it, but it's only recently that I found out that I'm told Mark Termel, who was the driving force behind NBA Jam, uh, was an arch rivals fan. Ah. So at, at best, I can say we probably influenced him and and did that game and beyond because we did invent a play mechanic that was then taken incredibly they did a fantastic job uh but so now i can finally say i've heard from people that knew mark that he was an arch rivals fan but more than that i can't really say because we had fun doing our rivals, we had fun doing pigskin but you know we were we were more interested in humor, I think, than anything else. Well, it, it's funny just because of the fact that, I mean, so many of the play mechanics from Arch Rivals and Pigskin are still in both those games, and those are games like we've got a couple local barcades here in Orlando, uh, which maybe if we get lucky, I can steal you one night, me and you'll go to one or two. But uh, where those games are still there because people – there's a lot of people that like sports but don't want to sit down and, like, watch a whole game. But if you give them a video game like an NBA Jam or an NFL Blitz, like, they know enough about the sports to, as my papa would say, be dangerous. So they know, like, okay, this is what I got to do. I got to put the ball in the hoop, and this is where the three-point line is and whatever. But they don't want to play, like, a simulator, like the newer version, like the 2K16 uh, or 17 now, uh, NBA, or, you know, the the new Maddens. Like, they don't want to play that. They want to play more of a cartoony or Katy. Like, I want to be able to play the game of football, but have fun with it and have guys spearing each other and powerbombing each other like they're in the WWE or, you know, NBA Jam where they're running and they're shoving each other, which is the only feature I wish they had carried over from Arch Rivals because in Arch Rivals, there'd be, like, soda pop on the floor you could trip over, and there'd be other little things on the actual, like, the floor that you could you could you could pants your opponent yeah. you could punch your face i mean we the thing is we were designing for an arcade market so back in the day we had to make the guy laugh in 90 seconds we had to make him feel good about you know losing his quarter and we had to make him reach into his pocket for the next quarter so that was a whole different kind of uh, we had, and we had to do it with, as Chris can tell you, very limited resources. I mean, we had to do it with very few sprites, very few backgrounds. Our tribals looks like it scrolls back and forth 
down up and down the basketball court. That was non-scrolling hardware. We had to fake that. Part of the game design in those early days was not just coming up with what, what would be fun and what would be make people laugh, but it was also coming up with ways to push a really crappy proprietary hardware. Uh, sorry, Midway, that's, but that's what it was. Uh, into doing things that even the guys who designed the hardware said it couldn't do. And that's what you know, games like Rampage and games like Arch Rivals, you know, animating the backgrounds we were told could not be done, but we figured out ways to do it. And in some cases, that was even the germination of the game. We came up with the game after we figured out how to do something they said couldn't be done. And then at the same time, you know, we've got to make it fun for the player. And we knew there were sports fans out there like Jeff, when he came back with that barf bag, He's like, we can finally do a game that isn't about the programmer saying left, left, right, right, up, down is going to make the ball go in. It's positioning yourself without a guy blocking you and passing at the right time and letting the other guy take the shot. So the sports strategy was very important to him. And I loved it because, you know, coming, going all the way back, I loved the idea of one player controlling squads of people. One player saying the bigger strategy is more important than what's going on. But all of it had to be encapsulated into, I got to be able to do this in two minutes, two and a half minutes, and have a ball and want to continue. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm no, really going off on No, this Brian, thing. you're fine. I enjoyed, but... I enjoyed making those. I enjoyed talking about what we did when we made them. But it was so neat with, with that game in particular to kind of uh since i am somewhat the pr department here at the happy hour johnny and deuce kind of to to sprinkle some sugar on what you said you were really uh, putting that hardware to the limit and pushing it to the limit and making it do things that you didn't know it could do and you had to say how much can we stretch this to make it work because i'm not gonna lie i remember when because they put uh, arch rivals on the nest and you could take it home and you could play it and i was like wow you know i'm playing this and it looks pretty darn close to the arcade and you could play it at home and i'm like this is this is neat like you know you did things with those machines and you guys and, and you did your your magic if you will to kind of say all right let's take this puppy and let's push it to the limits and let's push this thing to the edge of the envelope and see what we can do i think the fact that they made so many different games using the same or similar hardware was a was a, a help uh, in the creative process because they didn't have to worry about creating new hardware and coming up with figuring out what the new hardware can do. They were intimately familiar with this, this MCR hardware and they were Absolutely. able to milk right it. On the money there. It, 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 we got, we had, that was the part of the fun of making games was, was, well, just what you said is we were intimately familiar. And back in those days, in the early days, we shared everything. I mean, if a guy down the hall was working on a different game and came up with a way to do some fake uh, this, wow, I love that. I see how we can use that. And everybody in those early days, especially like 82 to, uh, 80 to 90, the 80s, basically, the early midway, all of the developers shared everything. So... It was it was a great time to fall into the industry. It was a great time to make games because we all were genuinely and again going back to 
I think this might be the last episode I mentioned this, but Chris, this is going back to the innocence of those days where we were all amazed by what we were doing, whether it was writing about games or presenting games or making games. We were delighting ourselves, and I think that came through to the player, to the reader, is that we love this stuff. Love it. Yeah, I, I asked him, I asked Brian recently if he ever felt like he was, you know, at the forefront of a new form of entertainment. You know, did he ever like sit back and look at what he was doing as, as, you know, breaking new ground in this new form of entertainment that didn't exist when he was growing up. And, and, uh, he said, no, I, you know, I was just always focused on what I was working on at the time. I didn't think about the big picture of the industry. I just wanted to make the current game that I was working on as good as possible. And I did the same thing at the magazine. You know, we were trying to make a magazine that was worth five bucks and that people would want to buy. And uh, in in hindsight, I probably should have spent a little bit more time looking at the big picture, realizing how the Internet was going to affect our business. But we were having fun doing it and we were successful at it for a while. And that's just the way it worked out. Well, sometimes that happens when you're in industry. And I'm, I'm going to just use us as a little bit of an antidote. Um when we started this podcast, don't get me wrong, there were other podcasts around. It's not like we were the first ever. Yeah. Like, but now that we're, you know, two years plus in, there's like a million podcasts. And it's one of those things like you should probably look towards the future. But I always have told Johnny, I said, we're going to do this until me and you stop having fun. Like, we're going to keep doing this. until. Amen. Yeah, I'm like, we're just going to keep doing this as long as me and you can st- still keep having fun. Till we still look forward to every Tuesday night coming over and hanging out and, you know, doing this and having a good time doing it. Because I've always said, if you're having fun doing what you're doing, the audience is going to follow you because it comes through in the product. Like me personally, and I feel uh, with our fans, and I think they would agree, they listen to our show because they know how much fun we have with each other, yeah. how much fun we have with our guests, and that's what keeps them coming back for more because, trust me, it, it's just like the radio. There's millions of channels. Uh, there's millions of other things you can be listened to. There's millions of other podcasts, but what keeps bringing them back to the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce and which keeps making us the number one podcast in Polk County is people are like, these guys are having fun. Like They're having a good time, well, and they feel like they're on the couch with us hanging out. I think the main word, all, all four of us, uh, exude as passion. And I think that's the key word is you're passionate about what you do. And I think people, it's infectious. People can see that. They can see the writing. They can see the visual when it comes to game design. They can hear it in the audio when it comes to the podcast. I mean, we want to have fun. All I think that's the thing is the passion. Like you, you can fake other areas, but the passion is something you can't really fool people about. You know, yeah. that's what's from within. There's that old saying, fake it till you make it. But you can't do that in the businesses that we have all three been in be it uh uh, chris with tips and tricks and and you mr colin with the the video games and us with the podcast call me brian Brian. (laughs) i like how i'm chris the the only reason i keep calling him mr because you want to make sure you get your last name right well yeah because i I was calling you colin forever and he kept jumping my ass behind the scenes he's like it's colon like a colon colon, (laughs) like a colon cleansing or a colonoscopy it's colon (laughs) so like, he had to, like, drill it it's into true. my head. And yeah. now that I can remember it, I'm going to keep saying it because I'm like, look, I remember. Deuce can remember things. So <laughs> It's true. All right, all right. Well, it's a it's like Brian, like in Brianoscopy. Like Brianoscopy. <laughs> there you go. 
There you go. There you go. No, you're right about the passion, Johnny. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think, I think um, Chris and I can probably both look back and say, you know, from a business aspect, we could have done this better, or we could have done that better, and but we're still doing things that we love, and in the grand scheme of things, that's, you know, well, talk to me when I pay this month's mortgage but you know that's still better than anything else is if you're doing what you love you don't work a day in your life no that's some of the greatest advice i've ever heard right there and that was always something my father said to me and speaking of people doing things that they love johnny tell them about our huge event at free play florida well free play florida is this awesome retro game arcade like home consoles from all areas i mean we talked about in the last episode about the magnavox odyssey of course you know ralph bear was behind that like so this i mean I, I like to dabble in the history of gaming but i wouldn't call myself a historian or anything but i love to look and see where games evolved so you get to see you have that whole home showcase of all the old consoles as well as i mean 200 plus arcade and pinball machines or even more than that like Amazing people there. You're gonna have awesome guests. You're gonna have you're gonna have uh, pinball designers Jersey Jack. You're gonna have uh, Gary Stern there. You're gonna have uh, some Todd Rogers. I mean, a lot of these uh, amazing um, uh, arcade. You know, they they have the record holders or whatever. Yeah. You're gonna have the awesome Mr. Brian Colin's gonna be there. <laughs> Uh, he's gonna be there, and uh, just to sit down and talk to these legends, if you will. I mean, and also it's it's cool too, cause like we we talked about it four or five episodes ago about yeah. how like the this the arcade and pinballs are going through a renaissance again. Like it's it's not just the niche thing anymore. It's like it's starting to like, especially the internet and social media. You're able to connect to so many people, and like look at like for example, like what we're yeah. doing here. I mean, uh, most of our listeners. You know, obviously we're another one listening in Polk County, but we have listeners in Brazil, people from Portugal, people from Russia, Russia, England. How do they find us? Hashtags and social media. They find us that way, and when we look at all the analytics on SoundCloud, and it tells us you had 15 people from Brazil, uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, listen to you on this episode, and it blows my mind. I'm like, how do they find us? We don't, you know, we don't really broadcast there in Brazil, but the fact that the internet and social media and hashtags and being able to branch out literally within seconds. You you could type something up on the computer and it's there in the in the the ether and the whole world can see it. So it's really amazing. You've got to be able to evolve and shift with the times as well. We talked about you know growing and the technology and changes and how the internet has changed over the taken over the world and like the way we play games. A lot a lot of games now are online, right? You have to you know you have to have an online component to it where you're playing, you know, uh, with friends over the internet and stuff like that. So it's like kind of changed the dynamic as well. So. That's why we talked about we talked earlier about having to adapt to the system that you have. And Nintendo, even big companies like Nintendo, when they weren't ready to make a new system, they had to adapt their carts to be able to uh, make it seem like they were doing more than they were. Classic example is the uh, uh, Super Mario Brothers three. Uh, it was actually had the precursor to what you would consider an FX chip. It was the um, the MM uh, C3B, if if memory serves. That chip was put in on the cart to be able to do parallaxing backgrounds and to be able to en- enhance the RAM and the memory. But the Nintendo was the same. You know, the Nintendo Entertainment System was the same. So the, it's like the good game designers and good developers are able to figure out the hardware and to be able to maximize it to its potential. And I felt like even companies as big as Nintendo, they were able to even do that. And Super Mario Brothers 3 looks night and day better 
then you go back to you know Super Mario Brothers. Like it's um, mind blowing that it was on the same device. So it's just I get excited about that stuff, and I love to look at the history uh, of things. And I I know Chris, you've you've been doing that for a long time, you know, with your research and everything. And it's just fun to kind yeah, of talk. You, know, you mentioned Nintendo, uh, you know, getting more out of their hardware by adding chips to cartridges. You know, they they were one of the first companies to kind of sit, step back and say, Hey, you know, we're kind of sick of having to invent a completely new engine on a new piece of hardware. Every time we want to make a Zelda game, mm-hmm. you know, when they were doing, uh, when they were doing Majora's mask, they were like, you know, we've got this engine that we made for Ocarina of time. We're going to use it again with a completely different game with a different storyline. And you see it in subsequent games on the Wii and the Wii. Where they're doing a lot of these, uh, new super Mario brothers games, uh, that have, you know, the same engine doing different things. Right. It's kind of a lot like what, what Brian and Jeff Nauman were doing back in the day. It's like, you know, you, you, you just squeeze more out of those chips when you, when you have the time and the freedom to continue working on the same hardware platform. Well, and that was one thing great about the early midway uh, in the eighties is, you know, for management, I don't know out it was out of they planned it that way or it was just very happenstance, but they let all of the developers, myself and Jeff included, uh, you know, they let us play. They let us try things. And I mean, I've got 90 games under my belt, and that includes a lot of real turkeys. Uh, you know, for every you know, I've got some really great games that a lot of people know and love, but I've got some that you know, oh my God, you know, what was I thinking type thing? And, and those are, I still think they're as much fun as, as anything, but, but the management in those early arcade days were willing or able, and maybe a little bit of both to let us try things. I mean, you know, we, we had a couple, you know, several games there that, we got so far and then we got them out there and we tested them and it's just like, nah, well, yeah, what were we thinking? But you need time. Time is part of that triangle, that development t- triangle between, you know, you, you've got, you've got how much time you want to spend, how much money you want to spend, what do you want to put in it? Those are the three corners of the triangle. And if one changes, the others change. And they were willing to give us time. And, and I mean, I'm so grateful for that because I wouldn't be the designer I am today if they hadn't given me that back then. And Brian, yeah, I had a similar experience in the magazine. I, I, I didn't have the time, but I was given the freedom to make decisions about what games we were going to feature, you know, what kind of contents we were going to put in the, in every issue. And I, I, it paid off because we were able to, you know, follow our instincts and, and, have had they had faith in us to let us put together the package that we wanted to put together. And speaking of time, I think it's that time where we need to take a quick break to pay some of these bills and we'll be right back with more of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by RetroGameTreasure.com. Get real retro games for the old school consoles you love delivered to your door every month. They have consoles like the NES, Super Nintendo, Genesis, PlayStation 1, Game Boy, Game Boy Advanced, and more. Tell them the type of games you like and what games you already own so you don't get duplicates. You even get a wish list. 
It's not a rental service. And best yet, you keep the games. Use promo code HAPPYHOUR and save $2 off your first month. Learn more at RetroGameTreasure.com. And don't forget to tell them that the Happy Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. And we're back with a happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. And, and Brian, I actually want to hit on something you said before the break, and that was about time and about how they let you kind of play and experiment with ideas because as much as I hate to say, because I love the video games that are coming out, we're getting a lot of great games now, but the problem is I don't think they let them play anymore. I don't think they let them experiment with ideas because you have these huge trip. Because right now, in my opinion, the market is you've got your huge AAA titles, your Grand Theft Autos, your Call of Duties, your big your Gears of Wars, your big marquee titles, and then you've got the indies, and there's not really a middle ground anymore where people can kind of play and experiment. Right. There's not a second-tier developer anymore, really. It's it's usually one or the other. Because back in the day, you could you had all these companies that you know had all this experience and time. Yeah. And, and you also have companies now like Konami that, and, and Capcom that they don't know what to do with their products anymore. They're, they're pretty much stagnant, like Mega yeah. Man. We haven't seen Mega Man... In a hot minute, and, and I mean, since the 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 Mega Man Nine and Ten, which was back in two thousand ten or eleven, though, like yeah. so, a lot of these big companies. But you look at companies from Japan, like a lot. Even Konami wasn't known for games. They were known they were known for their uh, uh, pachinko machines. Like that, that's what they were known for. Like in the in the casinos, like yeah. they didn't actually gaming was like an afterthought. But so like it's inter- interesting to see kind of how like the the shifting of the industry even now as yeah. you have these new systems and I mean they're so powerful these devices. You look at like back in the day, it was like there's this funny like picture you see online about you know. There's a device that can, you know, oh, you have a camera and you have a calculator and you have a flashlight and you have, like, you know, all these different things. And now it's just in a cell phone. You know what I mean? Back in the day, you'd have different devices to be able to, to do all these different things. And now I think sometimes, you know, the younger generation now kind of takes for granted that they have all this at their disposal at yeah. the touch of a fingertips. And back in the day, it's like you really had to work for things. You know, you really had to put the extra time in and, you know, sell yourself and to well, be able you to. did. You, you had know, to sell yourself. But also now I think it's the... Because let's and just allegedly, let's use Call of Duty as an example. If I'm a game developer on Call of Duty, I'm one of like a million people. Like there are so many programmers on that. I can't go to my publisher and say, "Hey, I've got this new idea to change things or this new dynamic or whatever," because they're like, "No, it comes out every year. We don't have time to right. play with it." Like now they do from year to year, do upgrades or do things that change it up a little bit. But I mean, you can't go full tilt and do something completely different or out of the realm of what they normally do because they're like, look, we've got a time schedule. We've got, you know, so many people working on this and we've got a, a budget and we've got to keep everything between the lines. So we don't have, you can't think outside the box. And the bad thing is I think now with these bigger publishers, they won't think outside the box. They don't want to lose uh, buyers. Yeah. Unless or they, money. Or money. Because, like, you look at, like, the the uh, Call of Duty and the Madden. Like, there, there are people out there that just buy those two games every year, and that's it. Yeah. There's dude a bra. lot of them. They're called, we call them dude bra gamers. Dude bra. There's a lot of those gamers. And, they, you know, when you sell 30 million copies of a game, you know, that's that's pretty high on the spectrum nowadays. Uh, and then, obviously, with the digital age, I kind of wanted to ask you guys a little bit about that. Like, how do you see the whole physical media transitioning over to digital? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? 
Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to what Deuce started to ask earlier. Is is basically you hit it. Um, there is the high end. There's you know four million ten million dollar budgets. There are you know seventy five to two hundred and fifty three hundred people working on a game, and you know my company and and even back when I was you know when I made the games I made. There were three, four, six people working on them. One programmer, two or three artists, a sound guy. Um, and unfortunately, and again, I'm not a business guy. I've had a business forever, but I'm not really a business guy. I happen to be a game designer who's still irking out, eking out a living on this. But in the millions of dollars they spend to do a franchise game, you know, they're answering to stockholders. They're answering to whoever bought into their company. They're making it big now. And yeah, I, I, I tend to agree that you've got these wonderful indie groups out there that are doing it the way I did it back in the day. And they're, they're doing what they can. And every one in a hundred or one in a thousand will break out. But you've got these huge companies that, hey, we're going to spend $10 million. It's going to be on something we know. It's going to be on something that has been done 50 other times, and we're going to change it just a little bit. But the thing is, that's not really any different than the way it was. Because even when, you know, look at Rampage. Rampage was a game that when... We first came up with the idea, myself and the you know two or three people in the room said, this is going to be great. Nothing has been like this. And we brought it to our boss, and he said no. We brought it to the head of engineering. He said no. The only reason Rampage got done is because we had a new president of the company who said, I've got an open-door policy the day he started, and I was in there the next morning. You guys have heard this story before, but... No one, everyone assumes that a new idea is going to be embraced by a company, but it really isn't and it never has. I think in the early Midway days when I was saying that they gave us the freedom, it wasn't so much that they were making a conscious decision to let us try all these different things. It was, hey, this is a new enough industry. There's plenty of things that no one's ever done before that they were happy to chase whatever was making money, but there were only so many things that we had the freedom then to create new things out of whole cloth that today I would love for a Zynga or a uh, you know Blizzard to be saying, hey, yeah, we spend 10, 12, 14 million dollars on a game. Let's give a few hundred thousand to these five little groups and let them do what they want to do just to see if it's going to work out. That's from my lips. They're never, you know, it's probably never going to happen. But yeah, you're right. There's this high end, there's this low end, there's very little in the middle. And and I should say, if any of your uh, listeners have that money for the middle ground, have them call me at Game Refuge because, <laughs> you know, we can do that middle ground pretty good. Well, Chris, what are your thoughts? You know, you had talked. You guys had talked in a previous episode about uh, thinking of video games as art, and there's this. There's a real Hollywood side to it now as well. You know, there's there's uh, safety in putting out another 
Call of Duty game, another Grand Theft Auto game. There's a there's a security that they know they can get behind those games and put a lot of money into them. You look at a guy like Ed Boon, who's been making Mortal Kombat games since 1992. You know, they they let him out for a, a couple months to do this game called The Grid, but I'll bet that's a guy who'd like to do something other than Mortal Kombat games. You know, uh, it's a it becomes a sort of assembly line thing after a while. And, and not to say that he's not happy doing it, but I'd rather see people who have proven that they have the vision to make a good video game. You like to see them let loose a little bit and, and, and sort of let go of the reins and let them and see what they can come up with. Well, and I think it's funny that you, you brought that up and Johnny, you might have to Wikipedia this for me real quick, but uh, Cliff Blazinski who I love because he was one of the guys that was on the forefront of Gears of War, and he did uh, Gears of War 1, 2, and 3, if I remember correctly, before, and I'll say allegedly, before Microsoft bought the rights. But then he, he started his own studio, which, if I remember correctly, allegedly was called We Could Fly, and he did a game, and I want to say it was called Bulletproof. I'm probably wrong on that. Uh, the name of the game. Okay, I'm looking it up yeah. right now. Uh, but he did this amazing game where he was basically like, hey, let me take what I know about shooters because I've already made these other... Uh, Bulletstorm. Bulletstorm, thank you. Yep. Um, I've made these other big franchises. Let me try something new. I loved Bulletstorm. It was great because it was like, hey, let me take all the things I know about shooters, but let me make it more comical and fun, but also a really hardcore game that had a lot of different like little things you could do, little Easter eggs you could find. Like There was a lot of replay value to it. And he said, let me see what happens. Now, I think the game came out to kind of good reviews, but I don't think it sold as well. And it's one of those things where, like you said about the Mortal Kombat guy, you kind of want... As a developer, after a while, you're like, I want to strike out on my own. Same thing with Bungie. Bungie did uh, Halo games forever, and then finally they sold the rights to Halo back to Microsoft, and they said, okay, we're going to make our own new game, our new IP. It's going to be all on our own, and they made Destiny, which was amazing, which is still selling great. And, you know, the problem is now, and I think you hit it when you said Hollywood, everything now is a remake or it's a sequel, or it's a comic book movie which is based on another property. Nobody has original IPs anymore. Nobody wants to start something brand new because they're scared. Because that you're putting a lot of money up front for something that may or may not work. And I think the video game industry has become just like Hollywood, where it's like, if it's not a Gears of War 4, if it's not a new Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto, that they don't want to roll the dice, if you will. And also, you have you have like these. You talk about Call of Duty and Titanfall and all these other games. They have these contracts with like Doritos and Mountain Dew, and you've got to appease them as well because yeah. you got all right. We're gonna put our logo on the bag, but we got to do a commercial. So you scratch your back, you, I scratch your back, and all that stuff. So like you've got all these multiple corporations and multiple billions of dollars that are in play here. Because if your game tanks, then that's gonna affect your you know your partner companies as well. So there's a lot on the line when you make a game nowadays. Which is funny that you mentioned that because uh, this year the Gamer Fuel, which Mountain Dew makes a a a, a version a Mountain Dew every year called Gamer Fuel and depending on what new games are coming out is the game. It's been Call of Duty every year. Well the first year it wasn't Titanfall. This year it's Titanfall 2 is, a, is the Gamer Fuel which is a big a nod to what used to be Respawn Entertainment. I don't know what the name of the studio is now. 
that's making Titanfall, but they, those are all the guys who left Respawn Entertainment when they got done with Call of Duty, and they said, look, we got this idea, we got some money, let's do our own thing, and it was great, and now they're making a second one, which me and you are both buying day one, and we're so excited about, but it's one of those things like, when you let somebody that's done the same thing over and over again kind of run wild with an idea, sometimes they're just magnificent. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, it's not to say that there haven't that Edwin hasn't been making great Mortal Kombat games. You know, there've been some some really innovative things done with that franchise, and you know, he's the head of this studio that uh, is responsible for making all these Mortal Kombat games. And you know, if he if he got a wild hair and suddenly decided he wanted to do a shoot 'em up or a, a RPG, you know, there's a lot of other people who's livelihood is going to be affected by that and also a lot of red tape and a lot of other people he's got to answer to which if i remember correctly and you guys can answer this for me and i'm going to throw out allegedly i think he's the head of nether realm studios now which is doing the mortal Kombat and the injustice games that's correct that's correct okay which i've got to give him credit for now don't get me wrong the injustice games are basically mortal Kombat with uh dc characters but my god man those games are so much fun i love them I, I've bought, like, every one that's come out so far. I'm looking forward to buying the new one, and I bought the Mortal Kombat X, and the, I don't know what happened over there, but it feels like there's been a, a rejuvenation because when Mortal Kombat X came out, I was like, wow, like, he's excited about doing Mortal Kombat again, and Injustice came out, and I'm like, wow, I mean, yes, it's Mortal Kombat with a, you know, a DC comic skin. You've got Batman and, you and know, the story is good, too. Oh, I mean, the story's they, phenomenal. You've got a good writer, and he's, you know, working with comic book writers, and so, like, it's cool to kind of see that. I'll give you one example that you guys might not know. Uh, Ubisoft, uh, you know, they're big for big titles, and they actually, Ubisoft Montreal has a team that that now works on small indie titles, uh, and they use what they call the Ubi Art Frame Engine, and they had the game designer on Far Cry 3. They were like, Far Cry 3 did so well, we have a break, a lull in between Far Cry 3 and 4. Here's some money to go make your own game and so he created a game called Child of Light which is a phenomenal uh, RPG that was your, your game one of, of my, the year last year it was year. one of my game of the year two years ago one of my years, game of the year uh, two years ago uh, and it was phenomenal and Ubi, Ubisoft which is this you know, big company they were like hey we're gonna let you go play. Here's some play money, essentially, and I don't know a lot of companies that would let would do that. And uh, and they did a really good job with Child of Light. It's a, a uh, an RPG or whatever, uh, and it was on all those systems. But it, they 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 did a great job and is well received. And it's nice to know that there are some companies that are able to willing to kind of like you know, hey, here's a, here's the what I don't know how much Child of Light costs. Let's say it costs. A here's million. a little funny money. Right. Go and come up with an idea. But it doesn't hurt them too much somebody. if they don't make too much. They'll break even. Even essentially, but like they they more more than broke even with that game. But like they still they didn't they were such a big company they were like you know what it's not really gonna hurt us if we don't do too well on an indie title like this. But it was still cool to see Ubisoft take that chance. Well, also and to yeah, to great. play devil's advocate for Ubisoft, I think also they were like, look, if we give this guy a little bit of funny money, let's let him go do his own thing. It's gonna keep him happy and he's refresh his battery, charge refre his batteries, yeah, recharge his batteries right. and make him want to. Still keep making the big titles that we want him to make, right? Because I think people, especially people in that industry, I feel are a lot like me and you were artists, and they need time to do other things. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's 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 you know you can't keep 
punching the same punching bag and think that you're going to learn something new. It's like now that I'm doing all this working out, I can't go and use the same two machines every day and think that I'm going to get any stronger. I've got to use all the different machines. I got to use all the different weights and kind of play around with different things if I think I'm going to get stronger. And I think that happens with artists. Like they want to flex different muscles in their in their brain and, and different muscles when it comes to their talent to say, hey, you know, I've done these shooters, I've done these good things. Let me try this little RPG with a really good story and just see what happens. And then, bang, like you said, Chata Light sold, like, hot cakes. I think it sold, like, 5 million copies for Indie Tata, which is crazy. And obviously that includes digital, which was a question I had earlier about uh, digital. Like, what do you guys think now that we're in transitioning into that digital world where one day you will never be able to buy, like, a... Unless it's like a niche thing. You'll never be able to buy like an actual copy of a game anymore. It's just going to be, here's your wallet. Here, you know, Steam has been doing this for a while with their PC games. But like now they're going to be doing that with consoles. It's like, all right, well, you can just buy it digitally from the store. Like what What do you guys think about that? Chris? You know, I, I like the idea of collecting video games. In fact, uh, I'd like to think that we had a hand in uh, inspiring video game collecting as a hobby because we had a regular column in the magazine that uh, talked about which games were valuable, which games could become valuable, right. um, and what they're worth, and stuff like that. And, and I, you know, I like to have a physical copy on the shelf. I, I like to look at the box art. You know, I like to see them all lined up and, and uh, have a little uh, confidence that I'm going to be able to go back and play them 10, 20 years from now. Now, obviously, there are factors like like bit rot and, and CD rot that uh, can cause physical media to deteriorate. But uh, you have to have some assurances that uh, these digital copies are still going to be playable down the road, whether it's on the original hardware or through emulation. You know, there's a, uh, there's a game that I downloaded for my Nintendo DSi. It's called Escape, um, and it's made by... Uh, a guy who worked on the original Star Fox. Uh, and it's, you know, unlike, I, I hate to say it, but unlike a lot of other DSiWare games, it's an important game. You know, it's a, it's a good game that's, that's has a legacy. It's, it's connected to this Game Boy game called X that came out in Japan. And uh, it's done by, a, you know, somebody who's considered to be an important dude in game development. And, it doesn't exist in physical form, and it never did. Now, if somebody wants to play this game, you know, 20, 30 years down the line, are they going to be looking on eBay for a, a DSi that happens to have stored in the, in the internal memory? Is there going to be some emulation option on Nintendo's current system that allows you to play it uh, with a control scheme similar to the way it was originally intended? I don't know. I don't... You have to you have to recognize uh, the benefit for companies going digital and that they don't, you know, they don't have to manufacture physical copies. They don't have to estimate the need for that sort of thing. They don't have to print manuals. They don't have to uh, put them in boxes and ship them out all over the world. Um, but it's just a little sad to see that sort of starting to go away because people put a lot of care and, and thought into packaging and marketing these games in addition to designing them. And I'm going to bring it around full circle. The reason uh, Free Play Florida is, I mean, I'm really looking forward to it, is because of the 
retro, and there were air quotes there. You can't see them on radio, but or on radio, like this is radio. The patio. Whatever this, yeah. this damn internet thing that I still don't understand. It's a fad. It's going to go away soon. <laughs> but the I'm doing arcade games again. I've come full circle. I'm doing arcade games, and the fact that I'm coming down to Free Play Florida to do to be there for people that remember this from their youth, uh, collectors or just fans. I, the There's something about a physical experience. And, I mean, the arcades were much more social than social media games. Social media games, I'm sitting on my own. I'm looking at my hand. I mean, if I want to do something with my hand, I can have a lot more fun with it than I can with a phone in it. Okay. Sorry, you can cut that out later. No, but you're fine. The, the, the arcade was a place where people stood around you when you were doing good, where you could wander around, where you could ask other people what was going on. And, and yes, I, I'm never going to be back in the mainstream in terms of what I do because it is a hell of a lot cheaper to just shoot stuff off online as chris points out i don't have to do a manual i don't have to do anything physical but there's so much more rewarding about a physical thing whether it's a little cartridge and bring your cartridges to free play florida because i'll sign them too but or in a full-on arcade game and if you want to bring in your arcade game i'll sign that but there's something about a physical thing that that Everybody remembers, and I'm I'm only become aware of this in the last uh, year and a half, a uh, couple of years when uh, I became aware that people out there, collectors, uh, fans, were making this thing real again. I mean, I've I've kind of had my head down. I've been doing games for a lot of different people in a lot of different areas, but the the fact that there are people like you guys who remember what was important to you growing up and we'll call people like Chris and I and, and kill an hour or two with us. Um, that's the only thing I can say from a business standpoint, I don't know business, but from a fan standpoint, there's something about having a physical thing in your hands. Well, Chris, Brian, uh, Johnny's actually going to give you with the camera a little virtual tour, and I'm going to talk over it because uh, our listeners at home can't see us. But I got to give a big shout out to our good friend Buck, the Mega Buck from Retro Game Treasure, who's been able to hook us up with all this. As you can see, uh, there's all these different games here, there's all these different systems here, which we've been lucky through different outlets and also Retro Game Treasure to get. But we're collectors. Like, be it comic books, be it uh, digital uh, media when it comes to, like, Blu-rays and video games. Like, there's something to be said to be able to have all these different consoles, all these different games, and to be able to know that, hey, I can go to the shelf and I can pick up my Star Fox and put it in, or I can put in my WWF No Mercy, or I can put in, you know, Tomb Raider and my Sega Saturn. Like, there's so many different uh things we can do because we can come back in the studio we can pop them in and we can play them and that's the one thing like i'm hardcore about it i've said it on the show many many times and i think johnny is is pretty lockstep with me on it like i will not buy a digital copy of a game if i can't get it on a disc i'm not buying it period because at least i know if i have that disc 
I've got it forever. I've got a copy of it that I can put in the machine that's going to play no matter what. Now, with digital copies, it's like what happens when the servers die? What happens when, you know, it's not available anymore? Uh, a really good example, kind of going back to something that Chris was saying earlier about the game he got on the Nintendo was or uh, the Nintendo DSi was um, PT, which was the playable trailer for Silent Hills. And uh, once it stopped being able to be downloaded, people put their systems up on eBay selling it, saying, hey, I've got a copy of this on the system that you can play. And people went and they bought it just because of the mere fact that they could be able to play it. Right. And it gets to the point to be like that with digital media. Well, the thing is, if you couldn't tell, guys, uh, we have about 10 to 12 systems here. You know, going from NES, Super Nintendo, PS1, PS2, PS, or uh, Xbox, original Xbox, uh, Saturn, Sega Genesis. Like, we have a 64. Like, we... We, we have we, pretty much we, all, all the, the mainline systems, systems yeah. we have in our studio hooked to the TV here. Not to mention, you've got, you know, the PS4 and the Xbox One in the living right, room. Right, we essentially, between the two of us, Deuce and I have almost every mainline system, uh... In, in 1980, whatever five yeah. on or whatever, uh, I didn't, I wasn't able to get the Odyssey and all that stuff. But we have all the main you need stuff. To, you need to make some room for some arcade games because I we saw do. a little room there on either side. You know, a couple of good arcade games. We on do either side. Yeah, trust right. me, it's something that definitely we want to do because I, I, I'm very lucky. I'm a bachelor. I'm single. I don't have any children. I've never been married. And that's something I definitely want to get for my house is I want to get a pinball machine and I want to get a, a stand-up arcade machine and maybe I can talk to our good friend Reed from Reed's Arcade Repair. Maybe he can give Hook me a up. hookup. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's definitely something I want for my house. My biggest thing is, and, and, and not to knock anything you've done, Brian, because I love arcade machines, the problem becomes then you almost have to have a room for your house dedicated just for that. And on top of that, because our good friend Reed, that's how he makes a business, you've got to have a, a arcade repair guy that can come and fix them because, you know, th these machines ain't spring chickens anymore, just like the rest of us. So they, they need Absolutely. a little they need Absolutely. a little uh, grease on the gears every so often, if you know what I mean. So it makes it one of those Absolutely. things where it becomes However, an expensive uh, hobby. In the, in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, though, the collectors up here in Chicago – We've got to, you know, our cars are out in the driveway covered in snow all winter long. So you guys don't have that problem in Florida. That's true. So, That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Where we run into the problem is the heat. So it's not like I could just put in my garage a couple arcade machines because they would overheat. Uh, you've literally got to keep them inside in the air conditioning. Prime ex example is my comic book collection. I have to keep it in the house and the whole my guest bedroom, the closet, is filled with my comic books because I can't keep them outside because the humidity and the heat and everything, it would ruin all of them. And I feel like the same way with the arcade machine. But there's definitely, uh, there's been talk around Casa de Deuce and maybe turning my office into an old school arcade. But it just, it gets to be one of those things and, and not to knock it because I love the hobby. It's just you've got to have it. You've got to keep them up. And it, it does cost quite a bit of money to kind of get in at the ground level, which is actually if there's something that you do want to get in when it comes to the ground level, when it comes to a pinball machine or arcade machine, um, uh, Free Play Florida is a great place to do that because a lot of people have their machines on sale because uh, the Happy Hour with Johnny Deuce legal department was there last year, and his only reason for being there was because he was on all these different arcade forums 
looking for arcade games to buy for his house. Like, that's literally, he's like, I was like, hey, man, thanks for coming out and see me. And he's like, uh, I'm on payroll, buddy. I didn't have to come see you. I'm here to, like, buy some video games. Like, I'm here to buy an arcade cabinet. I'm here to buy a pinball machine because I know I can get them for a good price. So, uh, you know, which is a great, great thing to do um, and a great thing that uh, and people like play to do. Florida is great for that. I mean, oh, yeah. I, that's what I've heard nothing. I I am looking so looking forward to coming down for this because I've heard I, I didn't hear about it till last March, but everything I've heard since then has only got me more torqued up. Let me tell you what. There's two or three big events we do every year that we put on our calendar that we do not miss and free play Florida is in that top three because we it's just a show we can't miss we have so much fun it's such a great time and we love it and speaking of of fun and great times Brian Chris thank you so much for for coming on with us tonight you've been on two episodes in a row for two hours we thank you for taking the the time out of your schedule and from the bottom of our hearts we really appreciate it because one of our favorite favorite things to do is to sit underneath the learning tree and learn from people that created these things we love like tips and tricks magazine and all the games that you made brian we really really appreciate it so thank you so much for coming on with us tonight we really do appreciate it guys Thanks for thanks for having us. Uh, this is wonderful. Yeah, we appreciate Chris, it. Chris, uh, thank you. I mean, Chris h- held this up tonight because he has the knowledge of the industry that I don't have, and and I I feel like I got off easy tonight. <laughs> well, Chris, that no, was fun. I'm just gonna throw this out there, and I might get thrown under the bus for it, but for whatever. I really think you need to get with uh, uh, Brian from Free Play Florida and talk to him about maybe coming out for the event. And if you can't do it this year, because I know it's right around the corner, uh, you need to do it next year. Because I'll tell you what, I, I can't tell you how much I think an amazing panel you could do coming down to Free Play Florida and Absolutely. telling everybody about tips and tricks. Because yep. no offense, you're one of those building blocks of the video game community. Like you're you're right up there. With you know Nintendo Power and those and Game Informer, those original magazines that got a lot of people who were younger into the hobby, and I think you've got a, a spot on a Celebrity Row with pretty much anyone else, and I really think you should get in touch with them and maybe if you can't do it this year because I know we're only like four weeks away, we're like right around the corner from this Joker. Um, yeah, doing it next well, I, year. I appreciate it. Well, no, I, brother. I, I think you should be there. What are the dates? What are the dates? November 11th to the 13th. All right. Yeah. No, Chris, I, you know, I'm just saying this now in front of everybody. You, you are welcome to sleep in my bathtub for the entire, <laughs> for the entire weekend. And I think you should come down because it's Orlando in November. Here in Which Chicago. Which is the best snow. weather. You, literally, November, December is probably our snow. best weather of the year. Yes, there is yeah, no snow. No. We've got all the theme parks. And trust me, Chris, you will be a celebrity if you go. Knowing that people are there and you being the editor of Tips and Tricks, it'd be like going to a comic book people, convention people will bring being it, Stanley. People will bring their Tips and Tricks magazines for you to sign. No joke. Like, I'll bring man. mine. I'll bring mine. Actually, oh, man. <laughs> tell Brian. Tell Brian Jones to give Chris a call because yeah, he's absolutely got to get him down there. Well, Brian, I think I, me and I you got to put our heads together and maybe make this happen. If we can't do it for this year, because I know it is getting super duper close, but maybe for next year. Well, it's funny. The reason the folks at home, I don't I actually. I'm thinking it in, in hindsight, they couldn't see what I was doing with the camera. Deuce was kind of explaining. Well, that's it. what I was trying to explain. Right. Yeah, but like literally, like we're not. 
we're not blowing smoke up, you guys. Like this is literally like, this is uh, we showed like twelve systems here. Like this, you were we we're speaking in to all the, the games and all the games. We're you we're talking to people that we you know we grew we grew up playing and looking and looking at the magazines and playing the games. Like we're not joking here. Like we're, this is legit. I, I always say like this is like a part of our DNA. Like yeah. this is a part of who we are. This shaped who we became. It's because of the work that you guys did. I mean, it's, it it's, turned out all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I want to go that far, uh, Brian. I don't. I don't know if you want to claim me, but uh, yeah. But I mean, we did. We turned out pretty okay, and, and we love these games. And and like I said, it was everything from you know Chris hiding your books in our book bags so we could trade them to each other back when we were in school, and Brian when we used to go to the Hungry Howies here in town, and uh, literally, and, and Johnny's laughing his balls off because. This is true. Hungry Howie. Hung, we'd go to Hungry Howie's Pizza on Friday. That was like our big treat. Yeah. And there was a video game room with five yeah. different games. Yep. And one, two of them were Arch Rivals and Rampage. Yep. And I remember that was one of the only games I could ever get my dad to play with me was Arch Rivals because he played basketball. He actually got a college scholarship, Troy uh, State University, for basketball so it was a way for me and him to kind of bond over video games I gotta, because he I gotta liked ask it then who kicked whose ass uh i would kick his ass until he got to about the second pitcher and then i got he got <laughs> really really good after he got about two pitchers of beer at him so which i can't say anything because at the time i was like six so maybe about my fifth mountain dew but yeah no after about the second pitcher he was wrecking shop yeah <laughs> That's actually how we designed it, too. I mean, there was a lot of pictures <laughs> in the designing of that game. Oh, but, yo, but it was a fun time with my dad because, like, my dad with video games, like, when I got my first Nintendo, like, my mom would try and play with me Super Mario, and it was, eh. But my dad liked Duck Hunt because he could figure that out. Like, I point this thing and I shoot at it. I can get that. And then he liked sports games. So it was like, if it was a game like that, uh, he never got to play pigskin, so I, I think he probably would have liked that. But anything that was like a sports kind of game, he was like, all right, I can give this a shot. I can give it a try. And, and like me and him bonded a lot over that. And he actually, it, it, to some degree, bonded over Rampage because, A, I think he kind of liked the half-naked women. But, two, uh, he <laughs> he just liked being able He's like, oh, my goodness, you're like this big werewolf guy and you're beating the shit out of stuff. Like, you know, after two pitchers, you're like, that's pretty cool. You're just knocking this building down. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it was a good time being a child here in Haines City slash Winter Haven. And, and you, both of you guys fueled that fire of us having fun childhoods. And it's amazing to be able to now talk to our, our heroes, if you will, that did these things that kind of fueled our video game fire that now, you know, 20, 30 plus years later, we're still fans. Thank awesome. you. Thanks for remembering. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for remembering. Exactly. Um, well, thank you guys one... for the memories. Wow, it's it's like like it. I don't know if I'm gonna keep that long pause in there or not, but like that yeah, was very. But it's, it's it's the truth. It's, it's like true you know, because like I. I, well, we're all we're all misting up now. Yeah, we so, are. Yeah. We're all getting emotional here. It's, but it, it's true. Know, misting up in the in doesn't work in uh, right. Yeah. Deuce and I have known each other for over twenty years, and yeah. like we we legit like have stories. Uh, I mean, we could talk for hours. I mean, obviously yeah. we do a podcast twice weekly for yeah. you know for this 
cause. But like we're, we're really excited, you know, to talk to you guys again in the future. Also, you know, we want to get Brian Jones with you, Chris, and see if you maybe, if not this time, next time. And yeah, and uh, we're looking forward to pre- free play Florida and um, Brian Colin. You're going to be there, and all kinds of cool people are going to be there. And it's November 11th to the 13th. Uh, the Double Tree by Hilton is going to be awesome. Uh, Florida in November is gorgeous. It's usually oh, like yeah, 70 it degrees. It's perfect outside. It is. It's it awesome. is so amazing. So if you need an excuse to come down to Florida and check out uh, Freeway, get Florida. away from the snow, man. Yeah. I think that's a selling point. Like, yep. there's no snow here. I'm a Floridian, born and raised. I've never even seen snow. So yeah, come down Same, here. I haven't either. So <laughs> I don't. I yeah. know it's white and it's cold, but I, yeah. I don't know anything else. So. Yeah, and I know not to eat the yellow one. So <laughs> yeah, but that's about all I know Thank about you snow. But seriously, guys, we really appreciate taking time out of your busy schedules. Is there anything else you want to tell the leave with the la- the uh, the audience? A lasting thing you want to tell the audience before we go, Chris? You have some brilliant, uh, really poignant thing you want to tell yeah, everybody. Put you on the spot. Oh yeah, set me up. Not really. This was my first cast, my first time on a podcast, though. It was really fun. Really? Thank awesome. you, Chris. Well, thank you, number one, for us being your first, and I hope you really had a good time. Awesome. Well, uh, you guys are about my 457th podcast. Uh, not really, no. Like my <laughs> second, but but no. This has been fun, and and this this is a good group. I really hope, Chris, uh, you can get away in two weeks or four weeks and you can come down there because this is going to be a blast. Well, Brian, make sure you come and see me at Free Play Florida because my b- room has got the beer cooler in it. So you definitely want to make some stops down there for sure. <laughs> Done and done. <laughs> awesome. How do people find you guys on the internet? Chris. Uh, I have a website called www.video-game-ephemera.com, and I'm on Twitter as VG Ephemera. Now, how do you spell I... ephemera, Chris? <laughs> You're going to make me spell words? You know though? what? We'll actually put it for to make it easy. E-M-E-R-A. We'll actually put it in the description of, the, of this episode. They can click the link when they go to the podcast. So I'm just be... saying I knew I couldn't spell that shit, <laughs> so I wanted him to tell our listeners because I'd been like, uh, I really wanted to find out about Chris, but I don't know how to spell that $10 word. It's spelled f Emera. It's that, easy. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's there easy. you go. That's so easy. And, and I'm at... Uh, Brian Colon uh, on Twitter, uh, Brian Colon on Brian F. Colon on Facebook, Game Refuge on Facebook, and GameRefuge.com on the internet. So, yeah, there. Awesome. Well, we really do appreciate it, guys, and thank you for letting us uh, geek out and enjoy. And your ear. Yeah, and, and just enjoy the, the, doing two episodes with you guys is awesome, and there's there's always there's never enough time like there's always so many stories we could all share and hopefully we all get back together again and and uh thank you so much guys we really appreciate taking time out of your busy schedule to join us cheers sure thing thank you see you guys you guys have a great night we'll talk to you soon thank you okay bye 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 oh and of course that was the awesome chris bieniak uh the former editor-in-chief of uh, Tips and Church Magazine, and of course the awesome designer uh, Brian Colon uh, of such games as Xenophobe, Arch Rivals, and Rampage. And seriously, folks, if you've not checked out uh, Retro, if seriously, folks, if you've not checked out uh, Free Play Florida, you need to come down. It's amazing. It's uh, 
money well spent. You're gonna love it. Once you pay the entry fee, it is it is free play. Literally, the, the name that's of the, the name of the game name is of the game. free play. It's so awesome. once you get there, it's all free play on the arcade machines. Also, they've got a whole room full of classic consoles, right. uh, 3DOs. Uh, I mean, games that you haven't played in forever. Neo Geos. Um, you know, of course, they've got your newer systems and your older systems. Uh, it's too many for us to mention here, but things we definitely got to mention here is how you can find us. You can find us at HH Podcast Show on Twitter. You can also find us at HH Podcast Show at gmail.com. Go to facebook.com forward slash happy hour podcast show. Give us a like. Also, go to soundcloud.com forward slash happy hour podcast. And don't forget to give us uh, likes and reshare on that too, because that definitely helps us out. And of course, uh, we are actually doing Buck from Retro Game Treasure. Yeah, ask the Buck. Ask the Buck. It's coming up soon. And you can send your questions to hhpodcastshow at gmail.com. And in the subject line, put Ask the Buck. And of course, there's not one, there's not two, but there are three hashtags you want to put in when you're talking about the Happy Hour Podcast. Hashtag Happy Hour Podcast. Hashtag HH Podcast Show. And hashtag Deuces on, on the, the loose. loose. Later. See you.